Horror has a new classic, and we're going to talk about that and more on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Andy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 156 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hello, Brian. And so, we have a little bit to talk about today. Mm-hmm. I did want to start out with the fact that you have now seen a Doctor Strange in the Multiverse, Multiverse of, of Madness. Madness. Yes. So, you are now caught up. Yes. So, what did you think? Oh, wow. I, how do you even start with this? It's, it is, it's everything, you know, it's, oh. Yeah, see, I'm just without words. I, I loved it. I love how they travel between the worlds. It was, it's a very heart of gold, very Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, changing between where he says, were we paint? <laughs> that was great. Well, exactly. Oh, yeah, I love that. I love that graphic. It's, it's how do you eat when you're paint? It's, right. it's not easy. It's hard to eat. And I love her. I love America Chavez. She's great. And it's so heart warming and you feel what she's going through and what she's scared of and everything and of course the fan service john krasinski yeah what you know i I sat here (sighs) biting my tongue the whole time because i knew you hadn't seen it Uh uh-huh and i just i can't spoil it i can't spoil Uh it i i didn't yeah the the world just the world says we want this says okay yeah we'll give it to you that's fine and then Oh, Bruce Campbell beating himself up with his hand again. There's you nothing know? more Sam Raimi than him beating himself yes. up with his own hand. And, yeah, and maybe he just called him up and was like, hey, uh, will you come do this favor for me? And oh, yeah. I got the feeling of that. And But it, it was such a good movie. I do understand your complaints about when it comes to Wanda. I can accept it because I can see her getting corrupted by that book, yeah. The Dark Hold. And how it can change her and make her obscure her consciousness and everything. So I'm okay with it. I can see it that way. Corrupted Agatha Harkness. And it's doing the same thing to her. So I'm okay with that. But yeah, it was all yeah all the different versions of the universe. And of course, Patrick Stewart. And Did you <laughs> notice when Patrick Stewart came out as Professor Rex, did you? Yes. You noticed the music? It- yes. I was like, oh, that did my eight-year-old heart. Just took me right back to Saturday mornings as a kid. And boy, man. And of course, we are going to, we talked about this before, is that we are going to be getting the further adventures of the cartoon series. Yeah, I think it's, did they actually call it X-Men 90? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I thought so. So that is Yeah, and they're bringing the original voice actors back. It's going to be animated. Yeah, it's going to have the same animation style. Uh Because for so many of us, that was, because me too, that was my first introduction to X-Men. I see it, the cartoon, and then I see a comic book in, it wouldn't have been a comic book store. They didn't have those where I live, but I guess it would have been like a general store. It was called Murphy's, mm-hmm. and I'd see that in there and be like, oh, that's that cartoon. So <laughs> for so many of us, that was our first exposure. Oh, yeah, and that for a lot of us who read the comics... And getting to see a lot of the stuff that we read in the comics sized in animation form was really cool as mm-hmm. well. And I re- like I said, when we talked about the uh, cartoon coming back, I remember, although I might have been a little bit too old to be watching it on Saturdays, 
I still did. Never and too my, old. My, exactly. But my brother would come over and we would uh, turn on the TV and uh, watch X-Men. <laughs> it was our Saturday ritual. And as far as the the post credit scene, Charlize Theron had just guest starred on The Boys. <laughs> so then seeing her there, I almost forgot what I was watching. So who is she? Is she someone that we've seen before or it, heard about? She is if you know the comics. Okay. The name of that character is Clea who, in the comics, she was the Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension. She was a daughter of Dormammu. Oh. And she was also Doctor Strange's wife. They got married. Huh, okay. So she's been a part of Doctor Strange's comics for a, a long time. Yeah. So bringing that character in, that's a, one of the main characters in the Doctor Strange comics over the years has been Clea, and seeing okay. her... Now in in the MCU, I'm sure we're going to see an awful lot more of her. Okay. But yeah, she's a tentpole character. Yeah, I saw her and I'm excited. Like eventually all of Hollywood is going to end up in Marvel, I have no doubt. Just kind of like all of Hollywood's going to end up in Disney. And so I'm just waiting to see who ends up as who. I'm still disappointed that Patton Oswalt didn't play Mojo, but I still... Holding out hope for different people to... He did voice MODOK in a stop motion, and he is the voice of... Yeah, Pip the Troll, that's who I was... Yeah, yeah, Eternals. So nothing really preventing him from doing Mojo, but we'll see. Ooh. I mean, it's really going to depend on how much they bring mutants into the MCU. Of course, the first one is going to be Deadpool. And I don't know if you've seen any of the news for that, but... The one thing that they're saying is it's definitely going to be the first MCU R-rated film. They've already said All right. we've got to, we have to do it the way uh-huh. that, you know. It's we, been established. See, I, I don't know. Would we call Deadpool a mutant or would we call him enhanced that'll in this be the question. universe? That'll be the question because okay. he is technically a mutant. Okay. And it's he's already been shown to be a mutant. Of course, that was in Fox. So whether See, I thought it was due to the experiments done on him that yeah. made him the way he was. So well, that is true. We would call that enhanced in, yeah. the, in this world. Definitely you could go that route. Well, like looking at the X-Men movies, a juggernaut. They, oh, King they, Markle. Yeah, they, Markle. They, they build him as being a mutant when in the comic books he's enhanced because of magic. They may change it. So we'll yeah, it's very possible. See. But I guess we will see when we'll we do. We'll see. But... To put a tail on this, so you really did like the movie. You enjoyed it yes. and had a good time watching oh, yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I know that you weren't the biggest fan of the first Doctor Strange film. Mm-hmm. Would you say you liked the second one a lot better? Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And even still, it just it just wasn't my favorite Marvel film. I still absolutely loved it. But still, oh, okay. like, 14th place in the Olympics is still 14th place in the Olympics. Yeah. So you may not have the gold medal. You may not have the bronze medal. But you're still up there. You're still a world-class athlete. I did love Doctor Strange. It's just... Not my favorite Marvel movie. We've got Ragnarok and we've got Guardians of the Galaxy. So, <laughs> yeah. And we, speaking of which, countdown continues for Thor. Now they're releasing a bunch of trailers. So close. And little, little snippets from the movie, which I have been avoiding. Like uh, the plague. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how well that works anymore because our last plague has been very painfully difficult to avoid. Absolutely. So I don't know if that saying works anymore, but. Yeah, I have tried everything that I could not to watch anything more on the movie. I don't want to see any scenes. It just seems, and I don't think it's just Marvel, but I think it's just movies in general. The less of the trailers that you see leading up to like the last two or three weeks before the film comes out, the better mm-hmm. off you are. Okay. Because I think that they do seem to reveal too much. But talking a little bit about Marvel, or at least Marvel adjacent or Marvel related, although not directly, I 
do want to talk about a film that I saw yesterday called The Black Phone. Uh-huh. And I say Marvel adjacent because, of course, Ethan Hawke is in it, and we already had seen him play a villain, a hero, in Moon Knight. Yes. And going back to Doctor Strange, Scott Derrickson was the director who directed the first Doctor Strange, was going to direct the second one, but because of creative differences, wound up leaving the project. Oh. And he wound up leaving the project to do The Black Phone. Now, speaking of trailers, I do have to say, me going into this, I had a very rare experience when it came to this movie because I knew that it was out there. I hadn't seen any trailers for it. Uh I hadn't seen trailers. All I had really seen was the poster with the mask, and I knew that Ethan Hawke was in it. And when I went to see the film, because I I was basically online checking a few things movie-wise, and I saw a poster for the movie and recognized it because I had seen the poster before and thought, I've heard some people say some nice things about this movie. I don't know much about it, but I'll go see it. So I literally walked into this theater with only a poster and knowing Ethan Hawke was in it and knew absolutely nothing else about this movie. So you hadn't... It, here's the thing. I didn't put together that it was based off of the Joe Hill Ah, okay. I just, black phone. I, uh-huh. It hadn't really occurred to me. Now, I'd read the story some time ago. Mm-hmm. It was like years ago, actually. Yeah. And so I didn't really put two and two together. Now, as I was watching it, when the credits rolled at the beginning and I saw Joe Hill's name, I'm like, oh, it's based off of the story. But it had been a while. And right. I, didn't, yeah. I didn't remember a whole lot of details about it. In a real sense, I was going into it tabla rasa. I didn't really know a lot, hadn't seen a trailer, didn't know anything. I just basically went into it. So I had that rarefied moment when I literally wasn't spoiled about anything. Oh, excellent. I knew it was a horror movie. I knew Ethan Hawke was in it. I knew the mask looked cool, Mm -hmm. which I found out later. The reason why is because Tom Savini designed it. Didn't know that going in either. So Mm -hmm. the only thing, like I said, the only thing that I knew was... Uh, so is, is this mask going to become as iconic as Ghostface and the hockey mask and the William Shatner white painted mask? Is that going to be is going to become that that well known? I would be very surprised if we don't see a version of it in Spirit Superstores this year. Okay, no question. All right. What's really cool about the mask, and you can't really tell it from the poster per se, but what's really cool about the mask is it's actually two pieces. There's a top piece, which is the eyes and the nose, Uh and the bottom piece, which is the mouth and the chin. And Ethan Hawke's character, who's known in the movie as the Grabber, and that's all we know about him as far as the name. He's just referred to as the Grabber. But the Grabber's mask, he'll wear different versions. So he might have the bottom piece might not have a mouth. It might be smiling. It might be frowning. Okay. He might. There were times where he was only wearing the top piece with the horns or he was wearing a piece that didn't have horns with a hat. Sometimes he wears just the bottom piece. So the mask continues to change because depending on his mood or what he's trying to do, he'll wear different top pieces and bottom pieces to make it look different. Okay. So it's very iconic in that aspect because it was, it's I I think I can't remember if you and I have discussed it. I know I've discussed it with our friend Marley. Hugo Weaving in mm-hmm. V for Vendetta. Right. That mask never changes. Right. But you feel the different emotions that he has because it's all through his body language. He makes the mask change. Work. So this would be really interesting. Yeah, I have a lot to say about this movie. Oh. But the long and short is I loved this film for a okay. bunch of reasons, which I'm about to talk about. I don't want to go into too much spoiler depth 
But, of course, we have Ethan Hawke as our villain, the Grabber. And, of course, we've seen him and his villain turn in Moon Knight, obviously. Mm -hmm. But, wow, does he bring a performance. And, like I said, being able to do different things with the mask, but also his ability to act it. And there's really only one scene where you see him without his mask, and it's just for a little bit. But he's got white face paint on. Mm. or like a very light foundation. So his face is pale, so it doesn't really look like a normal face, but you only see it for just a little bit. So most of the time, he acts behind a mask. Yeah. And again, he's a fantastic actor, and he's able yeah. to bring a lot into it. As far as like the art design and the sound design was brilliant all the way through. Now, one thing that I found out watching the film was it takes place in 1978. Okay. And so you have that, aspect to the film and so it looks a little bit uh, deliberately they make it look a little grainy and washed out they use a LUT that's very understated and faded so it looks like you're watching an older movie in the 70s what made that film a little more biting is knowing the year that the movie was taking place was 1978 I was 11 in 1978 so I would have been right around that age Ooh. So, you know how easily it would have been for you to get grabbed. Exactly. And now the other thing I'm going to mention also now, as far as the short story is concerned, uh, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I went back and I was like, okay, I, I remembered some stuff about this. And I know this was something you were thinking about. You were thinking, should you read the short story first before you see the movie and all of that? Right. This is what I'm going to say, because this doesn't normally happen with movies where they're based off a piece of fiction. Right. Because very often, a movie will be based off of a novel, not off a short story, which The Black Phone is a short story. And it's about, I think it's only like about 20 pages, if I remember correctly. So it's a short story. Yeah. And in the short story, it focuses on the main character, the young man, Finney, Mm -hmm. and the Black Phone. Mm-hmm. And the story is about him and the phone and the stuff about that setup. And so everything else is just basically support okay. for it. So you get an understanding of the killer just to a degree that you understand that Finney is in trouble. He's not really fleshed out as a character, but he doesn't need to be. Because this is a short story. You're focusing on right. this interesting premise between this boy who's kidnapped and possibly about to be killed and the black phone. That's the important part of the story. Everything else is just support. Now, the thing about what they say about scripts is that one page of script is about a minute. One minute on film, yeah. So if you had a 20-page short story and each page was like a page of the script, then you got a 20-minute movie. So obviously, if you go from 20 minutes to two hours, there's a lot of stuff you've got to put in, mm-hmm. which makes this a different situation than your typical movie because mo- most movies are based off of novels, and novels are a lot bigger. And yeah. so there's a lot of stuff you have to cut out. You have to combine characters. You have to compact things. Mm-hmm. And so you do, in a sense, lose something necessarily to tell the story of the novel in a movie. In this situation, you've got 20 pages of a short story, and so you've got to add to it. So that means... Yeah. You have to build relationships. You have to expand characters. And so where the grabber in the short story is a very is basically a very tertiary explanation. You understand he's dangerous. You understand Finn is... One-dimensional, yeah. He, well, I wouldn't even say one-dimensional. It's not a matter of that he's not well drawn out. He's just drawn out 
to the degree he needs to be for the short story. Short stories basically are like one plot point, and there's not a whole lot for development. But that's the short story. Mm -hmm. With a two-hour movie, you're going to have a lot more room than you would a 20-page short story. So you get to develop the grabber as a character, and you get to neat things with the mask, and you get to learn his motivations. You get to, where in the short story, you start out with Finney being in the basement. You actually get to see lead up to how he got kidnapped and what it was dealing with situations where one of the people who were kidnapped was a really good friend of his. You get all of that. You get this wonderful development with his sister that's only just briefly mentioned in the short story, but you actually get to see her as a character. And so that gets developed. So this is one of those situations, I have to say, where in a real sense, the movie is better than the short story. Okay. And not in a matter of the short story wasn't well done. It was, but in... But it's still a short story. It's a short story. So there's only so much you can develop. Which is why I like our style nowadays of where if there's a novel, we turn it into a series. And really, and it's really difficult for me to talk about Joe Hill and how much I love him without comparing him to Stephen King. So like looking at the way you're talking about it, comparing Secret Garden, Secret Window to the dark half you have the short story where you just you know, get right to it this writer has an extra personality and then you have the dark half full out novel you find out why he has the personality what happened and all this mythology behind it and i like that we're doing more short stories as movies and then we so we get this the black phone and that'll be really cool and i know there is a short film to pop art i haven't seen it but and then we get a series for uh, Nosferatu and I hope we get a series for Fireman and even Heart Shaped Box I'd like to see those in series rather than compressing it yeah. compressing it into yeah, a movie yeah, yeah I, I get so that. I like this style that we have in the 21st century this is what we've started doing because back when we were doing Gone with the Wind mm-hmm. it's a long movie with an intermission but they're still having to cut out and compress so I like this style that we have now but yeah. going going back to the black phone let me to basically give you an idea specifically why I love this movie and why I think this is going to be a modern classic. Besides the fact that you have Ethan Hawke who acted the heck out of this movie and you have this beautiful art direction, you have beautiful sound design, is that the majority of this film is focused around young actors, child actors, which can be very difficult. Not only can it be very difficult for a child actor to have range because they don't have a whole lot of life experience. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a lot that goes on in this film. There's a lot of emotional stuff that happens in this film. And not just like the scary stuff. There are moments of blood in this film, but it's not gratuitous. It's not, hey, let's throw blood on everything. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, makes it a lot worse because when you see blood, it's bad. Mm-hmm. And so it feels more real and more visceral. Yeah. But... The thing is, this is a very emotional film, and it asks a lot of characters. Yeah, Finney and Gwen, the brother and the sister, are like the center of this film. And, of course, Finney gets kidnapped, and Gwen, in the story, she gets a very tertiary mention in the short story, but she plays a big part of the movie. So i got to talk about Mason Thames, and i got to talk about Madeline McGrew. They, oh, my God. Yeah. It... 
I they were amazing as actors. They had so much that they had to do emotionally in both of them. That was, I'm like, I, this would have been difficult for an adult actor to deal with. There is one scene, I don't don't even think I can even talk about it because I don't really want to go into the details of the scene because I, I think this is something you should see it. You shouldn't just hear me talking about it. All right. But Madeline McGrew as Gwen, there is a scene that is toward the beginning of the film that is heart-wrenching, and it's hard to watch. But she goes through an emotional journey through it. When this scene, it would be a situation where you feel like, okay, in this scene, it's your job to cry and break down and get broken. Mm -hmm. And she has an emotional journey of like toward the beginning crying and toward the end, getting a new resolve, which is a very powerful choice in that scene because it would have been so easy to play that scene one note, and she didn't. She made a choice in that scene that was extremely mature. Yeah. And that's what made the scene really powerful, but in some ways really hard to watch. And the same thing with Mason Thames. Uh He had a very difficult role to play because he had to play vulnerability to one side but also a self-confidence that allowed him to get through the plot so he's playing a conflicted character but oh my god he played it so well yeah (laughs) the thing about it is it's a horror movie but it's a horror movie that means something uh-huh. It's not just an exploitation. It's not just this mass killer. Yep. There are real people going through some real stuff. And it's not this Colorado town that is idyllic and picket fences. And then <laughs> there's this horrible thing that's hiding. No, there, the town has its problems. Uh-huh. And it's, yes, the grabber is horrible, but this is his home. And you can see why, it, in a way, it is. But, yeah, I have to say these young leads, both of them just, they impressed me to such a degree because the roles they had to play were tough, first of all, but the choices that they made were well above what their years, what their ages would have indicated. These were very sophisticated, very powerful performances. I'm sure we're going to hear about both of them again. It wouldn't surprise me if they are just like major movie stars 20, 30 years from now when that will remember them starting out here. Yeah. But Holy crap. And Scott Derrickson, of course, he's, besides Doctor Strange, of course, he did The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Okay. He did Sinister. Right. So he, yeah. know, he definitely he knows, knows horror. Yeah. He knows horror. But this is not a mere horror film. This is not mm-hmm. an exploitation film. It has heart to it. There are moments where you're just like, this is, it. there are feel-good moments in this film. Wow. When things, yeah, there there are moments that when the feel good is there, it feels really good. When it's horrible, it's dreadful. But that's, I, in a real sense, I think it's the heartwarming aspects of it and just the real emotion to mm. it is what makes the horrible aspects of it even more horrible. And so, yes, is it scary? Absolutely. It's extremely scary. But does it have a heart? Holy cow, does it? Yeah. surprisingly. And that's why I say this is going to be a modern classic. Because if you've read the short story, you know a little bit about what the main conceit of this is. It's called The Black Phone. I've seen the trailer, and what from the trailer it looks to me is kid gets kidnapped, and all of his predecessors, the dead children, are talking to him through the phone. Through the phone, exactly. That's what I, that's what I figured it yes. was. Yes. Now, yeah. of course, in the short story, 
He, again, the premise of him and talking to the dead through the phone is it's more developed, obviously, in the movie because in, in the short story, he only really talks to one kid. Okay. But he gets to talk to a bunch of kids in the movie. The other part of it that's developed is in the short story, they talk about his sister and that she may be trying to find him and she might be having dreams. He just has that feeling in the basement that his sister's trying to find him, right? In the movie, Gwen, she has prophetic dreams and they play a huge part in the movie. And you get to see a lot of her development. Yeah. And when Finney is kidnapped, you go back to her and you're seeing what she's going through With her brother being gone, of course, knowing what's already happened and these weird dreams that she's having that she doesn't understand and the way they do the dreams, the way they film them is just amazing. The way they do the cinematography of it is great. Uh And as a character, she's, oh my God, she's heartwarming, but she's also tough. Fantastic character. Yeah. Absolutely. Madeline McGraw, holy cow. Uh She... And she's so young, too. That's yeah. the thing about it. But yeah, she's such a multifaceted character, and she brings so much to this movie. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, acting well above her years as far as experience is concerned. And yeah, again, she is a scene stealer when she's in the movie, for sure. But yeah, Mason Thames and his portrayal of Finney, oh my God, what he was asked to deal with. And the emotion that he had to bring through and being able to act next to Ethan Hawke and pull it <laughs> off yeah, and be able to capture the screen just as well as Ethan Hawke uh-huh. does. I can't say enough good about this film. Okay. It may be one of the top films I've seen this year. Now, all right. I mean, well, everything, check it out. Yeah, everything everywhere all at once is probably going to be my at A number top. one. Uh-huh. But wow, this film surprised the heck out of me. Like I said, I was prepared for a fun little slasher film. I hadn't seen a horror film in a while, but man, I wasn't expecting that. It was a beautiful film, an absolutely beautiful film. But let's talk TV for just a little bit because, of course, we did get to see the latest episode of Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel. Now, you did get caught up on this before. Uh Yep, Brian. I mean, it's such a cliche to say fun for the whole family. Usually that means the kids will love it and you won't hate it. This is absolutely fun for the whole family and mm. it's so much more than a superhero film and as most of them are, but this being about family and culture, it is so gorgeous. Knowing that like you were talking about the wedding. Of course, that was amazing. We got the Bollywood dancing and we got yeah. not only because in that culture, the bride wears red, but she wore white because she's bringing in her own culture as well. And then everything in that, the fight scenes, that yeah. betrayal was, man, massive. And then this week's episode, we didn't get a whole lot of story but I didn't mind it one bit. Give me two more hours of them going through that market and Kamala just eating food all around in Pakistan. Give me that. I'm perfectly happy with it. Oh, yeah. But the story that we did get, whoa. Oh, wow. Yeah, we did uh, get, a, we did get a lo- awful lot of development. Yeah. In the comic books, because a lot of that came from the comics. There huh? are moments where Kamala in the comics goes home uh-huh. and... Basically, she gets teased because they have to make the food white person strength. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know. Is this spicy? And oh, every, of course, it made me hungry. I'm like, oh, I want some tandoori chicken or something. And that's oh, yeah. so good. Even the hot and sour soup. 
<laughs> did it ruin Chinese food for you or something? I can't even remember exactly what it was, but that whole episode, everything she experienced and being with her grandmother in this beautiful house and it, and her mother's relationship with her grandmother generation after generation the exact same your skin's dry why is the house dirty it's it is wonderful and then you know uh of course i don't know how spoilery we're getting but she finds the train yeah and of course we know that she's going to be the stars that lead her grandmother to her father i certainly think that may be the case oh and that's it when she gets up on the train and looks over those oceans and oceans of people trying yeah and pilgrims oceans and oceans of people just trying Fling to flee for their and lives. live and yeah gosh it's it, it was so gorgeous Brian yeah. I, can, I can never say enough about this show about oh. how great this show is and whoever isn't watching it they are missing out so much oh yeah it's a wonderful show and again like I said at the beginning, before the series started, you know, it felt to me, I, I knew I was going to watch it, but it's, is this really a show for me? It looks like it's a show for young people. And that may be why some people might be like, this is just like a kid show. It's fun and all, but it's not like a serious show. But oh my God, is it? Yeah. And we've said this so many times talking about the different episodes, but yeah, just this idea of even though this is a culture that's not like what we're used to there are a lot of similarities and Kamala goes through a lot of things that we went through growing up as geeks of liking things that a lot of people didn't understand and the issues you have with family and school and all of that stuff makes that stuff is universal and I to me always telling other people's stories is important because not only do you learn about culture that isn't your own but you also begin to realize that we're not all that different. And we have I think, more alike than we are different. <laughs> exactly. But man, there are a lot of questions. There's still another bangle in play. Yeah. Are we going to get a, a chance to see Kamala's great-grandmother? Yeah. Yeah. We only got two episodes left. Yeah, I know. And introducing the Red Daggers, that was good. It was like, but man, we only have two episodes <laughs> episodes left. And we immediate, we did get our first major loss. Of the show that we have seen. We haven't seen. Yeah. We haven't had much loss. And then we it was we yeah. only saw him for, we only got to know him for a few minutes and we lost him. Yeah. Uh, Which again was very dramatic because we haven't dealt with that in this particular show. Right. So it really hit. Yep. Because it's, we haven't been having and death. we didn't even have time to grieve. Exactly. He's gone and we have to move on. And boom, stab the bangle and back in time. Yeah. <laughs> we get this wonderful time travel moment. Yes. But yeah, it's, you know, we got two episodes of it left and we're going to expand a lot of this, obviously. We get the revelation that the, the clandestines aren't trying to go home. They're trying to bring their home yeah. to Earth, which basically would wind up destroying the Earth, which is very similar to, it may not be the same thing because I don't know if it's considered a multiverse type of thing, but the idea of a convergence where one world comes into another one and winds up destroying it. So this is very similar to that. Again, we've really developed this story. We've got this wonderful character in Kamala Khan. Yes. And... She goes to this rich house first and she does a slide across the floor. Like, Of course. (sighs) Yeah. The more and more I see her, the more and more I'm like, 
she's me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But and, and two, I, about this particular episode, I love the dichotomy of the fact that this is a completely strange place to Kamala, but it's also home. Right. It's a part of her that she hadn't had the chance to experience because she was born in the United States and she was taught about her culture, but she had never actually. And even in the United States, she was still fish out of water. Yeah, you know, exactly. She didn't really. Amongst her peers. Exactly. And being able to be in that type of environment where, you know, she fits in, although it's all completely new to her. Yeah. Incredible storytelling all the way through and still continues mm -hmm. to be. We have two episodes left and I can't wait to see what happens next. We shall see. And so with that said, we come to the end of episode 156. Thank you for listening and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch podcast is a Hanging J production.